podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just 2 bucks on the one 2 3 menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This year has us all wanting to be healthier, and that includes our eye health. But how do you get vision coverage if you're retiring? It's actually pretty easy. VSP, the vision coverage many people get through work, offers individual vision plans. Enroll anytime, on any device, and start using your benefits the same day. You don't need to be an employee to get employee-level vision coverage. Visit vspdirect.com today. That's vspdirect.com. It's got to 2-2, and we've still got more than half an hour to go, and here's Ozil. Lacazette, Ozil! Hello, uh, welcome to a, another Touchy Gunas podcast. My name is Lewis and today I'm joined by Sean. Good morning, good morning. Good morning and a, a goodly morning to you, Andrew. <laughs> hey guys, how's it going? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Um, for those of you who do not recognise the voice, that is, um, we, we do uh, have Arsblog on the podcast, uh, Andrew Mangan. Hi, how are you doing, Andrew? Thank you for joining us. I'm okay. No, my pleasure. Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm just sort of trying to ease myself back into the idea of football returning. It feels like it was all really intense towards the end of last season and we haven't had enough time to recharge our batteries and the Community Shield is happening on Saturday. So, you know, just sort of preparing myself mentally, like, here we go again. Here that kind of again. thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it hasn't it hasn't really felt like any time off whatsoever because we've had obviously we've just had the Champions League and mm. Europa League just finished and now it's straight back into the friendlies. We, I didn't even know there was a friendly going on yesterday. They kind of just sprung it on us and be like, "Oh, friendly." Yeah, it oh, was okay. it was weird because the first I heard of it was like some people had seen the game being advertised like it was going to be broadcast on ESPN3 in the US or something like that. Okay. And everyone was going, "What?" What game is this? Nobody said anything about it. So, yeah, it was a little bit out of the blue. But, you know, um, in in 2020, it's probably the least surprising or weird thing that's happened so far. So, you know, we'll see where yeah, we go. It, it has been um, an extremely, extremely weird uh, year. Mm. Um, just before we start, I want to do a few plugs. Sorry, got to get these out of the way. Of course. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, if you uh, do, if you don't... Um, subscribe to touchdown focus on youtube please do so um obviously follow us on the itunes and spotify all of those things also we've got our discord server uh, which can be a part of and we're actually starting our touchline football now so we've got a game tonight actually i don't know who we're playing but we're playing one of the other club podcasts so we've got our arsenal team uh so yeah we'll, we'll be doing that to, to tonight and if you want to get involved you can drop me a message and um get involved with uh, a little bit of fiber side football so, Andrew, it might be a bit tough for you because I know you're a bit far away. 
Uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I won't. I won't be asking you to come on yet, but maybe when you're in London sometime, we can we can have you as part of our touchy gooder side. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Let's see what my fitness levels are like. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lewis, did, I, I, did, did, didn't you say um, J. Emmanuel Thomas might be uh, making an appearance? Hey, you're letting our cat out of the bag, mate. Oh, you're oh, sorry, I'm, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That, I'm sorry. That's so a sorry. that's I'm a sorry. ringer and a half right there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I was trying to keep it secret. You oh, know, sorry, people I'm said, sorry. "Oh, I've got." I'm bringing my mate who plays semi-pro football. I thought, all right, all right. Let me let me make sure that we win convincingly, and I'll invite Jay to come. So yeah, Jay's agreed to come down and play for us to tonight. So um, yeah, hope. I mean, if we don't win, I'll be very. Uh, <laughs> I won't be releasing the results to anyone. I'll tell you that <laughs> because I'd be quite embarrassing. But yeah, um, Andrew, let's start with you because me and Sean, I think we can both say that we've been following you for a very, 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 very long time. And I know, I know that might make you feel a little bit old. But, Does, um, yeah. 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 <laughs> we've been following you for such a long time, like since you just had the blog. Mm. And um, I just wanted to really know, like, what was your motivation to start in um, Ask Blog? And you were one of the first movers in the space. So, like, what made you identify that? that kind of area to be like, yeah, this is what I need to do. It was kind of like, it was a really happy accident. I think you might call it because I wasn't trying to build something like this. I never, when I started Arsblog thought for a million years that it would grow into what it has grown into. I was really trying to teach myself web design. And I thought that like, if, if you had a website that you updated regularly, you could do new things and new designs and new whatever features and things like that. And it just occurred to me that writing about football um, was something which there was sort of like endless content, if you like, you know, there were always things to talk about, whether it was matches or injuries or rumors or transfers or or whatever was going on. So that was the reason why I started it. Um, And it it sort of grew, it really grew from there. Just, uh, I don't want to sound like a marketing guy or anything, but it was all very organic and, and just it happened over time over as you said a long period of time because it was 2002 when it started have you got any plans for the uh, for the 20 year anniversary coming up that's a really good question i i had sort of considered a book of some kind maybe the 20 year book and we could do some old posts and stuff like that but um I should probably have a think about that with more seriousness. Um, you've, got, you've got enough time, to be fair. It's yeah, still, still but you know, t- years, so. time flies. In fairness, you know, you think uh, you think uh, you've got loads of time to do something, and particularly if it's a book, it, it takes quite a while to put something like that together. So, um, yeah, I'll have a think about that. But yeah, we should do something to mark the the twenty years for sure. I think that'd be amazing. Um, what would you say have been like, what are the main differences? I think there's a, a question from someone on social media. I think it might have been sh- a guy called Shamak. I'll, I'll, I'll find out who actually did ask. But he asked, um, what are the differences between when you first started the, the pod and, uh, the, sorry, the blog, sorry. So like the different, like you were obviously on forums and things like mm. that. Social media was a lot different to what it is now so mm. what are the main differences do you still see like the same mass outrage you know the uh the kind of like bipolar uh I, I don't know what it is you know where, where your emotions go from high to low on the, on the base of one piece of news i know the news comes out differently mm. these days but h- how would you say things have changed over the years i i think um you know if you're on a forum let's say back in the day and you had an opinion about uh something that went on you know a match or whatever it might be the only people who were replying to you were the people who were members of that forum and generally it tended to be fairly small communities you know whereas now if you've got hundreds of thousands of followers on twitter potentially i'm not saying it happens but hundreds of thousands of people can reply to you and and I think maybe some of the opinions have become a bit uh, extreme. You get exposed a bit more to some of the extreme opinions. But but the flip side of that, I think, is that you have greater connection with, with, with Arsenal fans around the world. Um, you know, there wasn't really social media when, when Arsblog started. There was no Twitter. There was no Facebook. There was no Instagram. There was no podcasts. You know, um, but what it's allowed... Uh, me and I'm sure you guys as well to do is to to really build connections with with the audience and with the people who listen to your show my show read the blog whatever they do whether it's the news 
you have that connection with people and for you know 99% of the time it's it's good i think it's a, it's a positive thing because you can obviously cultivate your own social media experience in terms of who you follow and and everything else um there's always the 1% that that um are out there but for the most part i think it's been it's been a really positive way of building uh, a connection with an audience um so that would be that would be the main thing just the direct connection that people have to you whereas when i started the blog if someone wanted to get in touch they had to email me literally email me or leave a comment on the site now you have your facebook your twitter your instagram all these things through which people can provide you feedback for better or worse but i i think for the most part it's it's better what what would you say has been like the highest point of Osborne? Like, what is the thing that you're most proud of with um with Osborne? Is it is it the consistency? Is it like the, some of the guests that you've had on? There's so many high points, but what would you say is your your proudest? Your, I guess I guess that moment? it's still going. You know, after 18 years, and it's it's changed, and we've been able to develop it. Um, so it didn't just stand still. It wasn't just one thing. Uh, you know, as as the way people consume content has changed. We've been able to go with that a little bit, you know? So when it started, it was literally just a web page. You had to go to the web page and read what was on there. And now, you know, we added the mailing list so people could get it in their email every morning. And, you know, now you have, like I said, Facebook and you've got Twitter, but we also have, um, you know, our apps, um, different ways for people to, to have our blog in their pocket, if you like. So, I think being able to adapt and to sort of see the way things have been developing technologically and, and keep up with those, um, I think that's it. And like you said, the consistency and being able to produce stuff still that people want to read and want to listen to, I I think that's really the, the, the main part of it for me, you know, and it's still still really enjoyable as well because you know that that's that's a big part of doing uh what i do definitely um um i'll take this opportunity to introduce shabs uh shabs, <laughs> shabs uh meet andrew andrew meet shabs uh, hey how's it going? Uh, i'll open up the floor to shoulder shabs now if, if you've got any questions to ask andrew about um the formulation or uh you know of, of ask blog yeah, I, I mean, Andrew, just to sort of follow on from Lewis's point, I mean, what would you say, obviously you've spoken about the high points now, but any, any particular low points or anything that really grinds your gears um, that you've had to deal with? Um, I, I think maybe sometimes, you know, trying to deal with the disappointments that we have as a football club and as a football team are, are the main ones, obviously. The rest of the stuff you can sort of compartmentalize. If people don't like what you do or don't listen to what you do or they give you negative feedback on what you do, it's sort of easy to think, well, you don't have to listen to it if you don't want to or you don't have to read it if you don't want to. So those things are are easy enough to deal with. You know, as an Arsenal fan and as somebody, you know, when, when, the, when the blog started, it was 2002. So we won the double in 2002 and we... Uh, won the FA Cup 2003. We went unbeaten in 2003, 2004. Came in at a real high point. Yeah, I mean, we started like right up there and then, you know, things tailed off a bit. So I think what's, uh, for me, there's sort of like a shared experience um, because I write about everything that happens at the club. You know, when things don't go wrong um, or when things don't go right, I should say, you know, it's it's difficult as a fan to deal with those disappointments. So you, you sometimes you're trying to find the right words to express your own disappointment in a thing that's happened or a result or the trajectory of the club or the way things are being run, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily say there've been any low points per se, you know, other than things that have happened on the pitch, like champions league final, for example, is still one that I know it's a bit too soon to talk about it, but you know, it's one of those that when you think back on it, it's like, Oh, like even that Wayne bridge goal for Chelsea that year, it's just like, Oh, you know, you feel those like uh, punches in the gut, you know? So really the low points are based around the low points of, of football and what's, what's, what's gone wrong for Arsenal on the pitch. Yeah. Uh, I think we all remember some of those moments. Mm. Wait, <laughs> we've had, we've had a few in fairness. <laughs> and to be fair to us, like they've kind of hardened us now. 
So when mm. we do get the disappointments that we have had recently, they kind of feel like little, just little pinches, really. You know, they, they don't really hurt as much because we've actually been through some traumatic experiences. So it, it kind of is a positive in, in that regard, like a little silver lining there. But um, yeah, um, uh, another question I just wanted to ask, uh, just um, obviously you're based in Ireland. So mm. you're, are you based in Northern Ireland? No, Dublin. Dublin, sorry. Okay. Um, hey, you're based in Dublin. So do, do you find it like um, particularly difficult? Do, do you feel kind of like out of the loop being not uh, like based in London or based in around the club? Do, do you find it difficult with the, like being so far away? I, I guess it is not that far away, but um, mm. just in terms of like how local you are to the club. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I, I started the site when I was living in Barcelona. So I was an Irish guy living in Spain, writing about a football club in London. So, you know, but that's always been my experience, if you like, you know, because I've always been distant. I'm not, I'm not from, uh, even though I was I was born in uh, Croydon. Uh, I, oh, really? Yeah, and grew up in England. You know, I've never been like a, 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 a local fan, if you like. But then I've never tried to sort of present myself as that i've always been who i am uh, and i think a really interesting part of of what's happened over the 18 years that i've been doing our blog is the the globalization of of football and the premier league in particular that it has spread to all parts of the world and i think you know it's not that people weren't interested in football uh, in those parts of the world before but but we were never able to connect with them do you know what i mean so now you have your your fans in wherever whatever part of the globe you know there's an arsenal fan there somewhere and and you have access to them and they have access to you and it's it's sort of created this um this smaller or i don't know if it's smaller or bigger football universe you know so i i i've never tried to be anything other than who i am which is like an irish guy who 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 loves arsenal and supports arsenal and has done since the 70s because of all the irish players that were there back then um, so it's not, I, I, I feel sometimes like I'm missing out, of course, because you'd love to go to more games and that's, that's, the, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Like, do you feel like, yeah. you, you, I know you do a lot of the blog stuff during the game yeah, and like, like that. Yeah. Every, every match is a, is a, is a work day, yeah. you know, between the, the live blog and the arse blog news stuff and the match reports and the reactions and the player ratings and all the stuff that we do around matches that people really want um, but you know, every time I go to a game, I've got to like organize people to, to do that, you know? So there are times, yeah, where you think, oh, it'd be great to go to every game and to, to, you know, to have that experience. But then, you know, part of my job, my life is, is doing this website and giving people who come to the website every week, what they've been expecting, you know? So you have to find the balance between those things. So it's not like I have regrets or something like that, but but certainly, you know, going to games is is always amazing, not just because you're going to see Arsenal, it's because of the social aspects of it and and hanging with your hanging with your mates and, you know, whether you win or whether you lose, it's always better when you win, obviously, but even when you lose the afterwards, the drinks in the pub, the sort of post-mortem that you you do, which makes you feel better, um, as do the beers that you have and, and everything else, you know. So, yeah, look, it it's... Tequila for shots. Yeah, the, yeah this is the sort of a, uh, a trade-off, you know Jeez. what I mean? So, yeah. But I'm happy, uh, you know, I'm, I, I would never complain about it. No, no. Shabs, do you, um, do you have any, anything to ask before we move on to um, yesterday's friendly? I'm a, I'm a glutton for the pain. So as you were talking about low points, I wanted to know what was your what's your um, worst one. The what's worst. Your lowest point as an Arsenal fan. I... Well, certainly in the time that you've got, uh, rather in the time that you've been doing Arsenal, what's, what's been I th- worst moment for you? I think mm, the Champions League final sticks in my mind in in two ways one because we were just so close we were so close and it would have been so amazing but i remember being in the ground afterwards and the arsenal fans were standing and they were singing and they were they were behind the team and there was this sort of wall of yellow and and it was a weird thing in that you felt really gutted 
that we lost, but also really quite proud at the reaction of the fans. And it was kind of spine tingling. Um, and then I got lost on the way back to my hotel in Paris and uh, nobody, no taxi driver would pick us up because we were wearing our Arsenal shirts and things like that. Uh, the one I the one I think that fills me with the most regret is it is the Invincibles team and the way they went out of the Champions League that year. You know mm. that they they should have done it. They should have won the Champions League that season as well. Whether we would was have also the, was that Valencia or Chelsea? It was Chelsea. It Chelsea was the, Bridge. the Wayne Bridge. Yeah, yeah you know. Bridge. So the 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 quality of that team that it didn't quite translate itself into Europe the way it should have done, I think is, is maybe the biggest regret. And look, there've been loads of them, you know, about um, managers and players and, and people who've come and people who've gone. But I just think in terms of what the club could have achieved and had on the shelf right now, those are the two things that, that really stick in my mind. Yeah, the, the Champions League final was probably the last, well, the last, probably the first and last time I cried as an Arsenal fan, I think. I remember ironing my school uniform as Armunia <laughs> uh, was just getting tucked in in the near post. I was like, oh. It's offside, offside. I didn't want to go to school next day. Yeah. But, um, okay, let's let's move on to um, the friendly yesterday, which was sprung upon us um, without much uh, notice. Um just wanted to ask a few things like obviously the performance I don't not really much to say about the performance itself because uh what what can you say about the the first friendly I don't even know how long we've been in training to be honest there hasn't been any training pictures released either mm. after it's no. barely been any news whatsoever so I just wanted to kind of ask um you guys thoughts on certain inclusions and certain exclusions um so the first one I'll start with was obviously um it's been reported this morning that uh, by David Ornstein that Ainsley Maitland-Niles um, uh, could be going to Wolves, but we've rejected uh, a, a, a bid below £20 million, I believe. So um, his inclusion yesterday, um, do you guys feel that what, that had anything to do with that particular bid? Do you think it could be some kind of, um, you know, maybe a reversal in thought that he may actually be staying or or is this just some kind of negotiation technique? Uh, Sean, I'll start with you, I guess. Yeah, yeah, because uh, the way it was reported earlier this week, you would have thought that it was it was a deal that was be that was very close to completion. But um, the way Ornstein's come out this morning, it's is it's as if obviously it was rejected, and we're obviously looking for a lot more money, and and, and rightly so. I don't think eighteen million is is, is value for him um, when you see in a market where Adam Webster for Bristol City is going for above twenty mil. So I, I think mm. we can definitely try and extract a bit more money um, from Wolves, and, and there's also interest from Germany as well. So hopefully that can help to drive up the price. Me, I've been on the record of saying I'd love for him to stay. Um, uh, athletically, um, his versatility in terms of what he brings, both in possession, out of possession, his recovery pace, I'd be really upset to lose him. At the same time, um, I get why we would need to do that um, if we're looking to raise funds. Um, to sign in other positions. So he is someone um, like a few other players in the squad who can raise quite a bit of money. So I get it, but I just want us to extract the right value if he is to go. So, yeah. Mm. Uh, Andrew, what, what's your thoughts on the whole uh, Ainsley situation? It's hard to disagree with that. I think, you know, the market is a strange one, obviously because of COVID-19, but I do feel like Maitland-Niles, he's, he's young, He's English. He's got years left on his contract. He's plenty of experience, you know, 100 appearances for Arsenal. And when you look at some of the other deals that are going through, like how much are Chelsea going to pay for for Ben Chilwell? You know, uh, look, Chelsea is maybe a slightly different thing because of the amount of money that they have. But but deals like that, they kind of set the bar in the market that if somebody's paying that much for this guy, then people will go, well, why shouldn't we get more? I think Arsenal are right to hold out for more. I have a I have a suspicion maybe that Maitland Niles himself is is open to leaving because of what went on. He changed his agent and things like that. So that that could be uh, a sign that maybe he he views his future elsewhere. Look, if he stays, I'd be happy because I think he's a really good player and I think he's he's he could fill in in quite a number of positions. I suppose the thing is is like where is his best position what is his actual best position where does he want to play and can we give him game time in that he's spoken about being a winger I'm not sure that he's going to get that game time at Arsenal in that position so that could be the reason why he 
feels like he's got to move on in order to to get that somewhere else. Um, so if we get good money for him, um, you know, it's not that I'd be happy to see him go, but I think Arsenal do have to raise funds and he is one of the more sellable assets in the squad. When you look at some of the other situations we have to deal with, his is relatively easy because of the qualities that he has. Agreed, agreed. Um, Shabs, did you did you look into his inclusion as being anything other than just game time yesterday? No, um, not really. I, I, I pretty much agree. I expect that um, he he will leave um, this this window. I just want a, a good fee for him, you know. And it, it's as has been said before, as I've been saying in in the group. I think Arsenal generally we don't get the best value for our players when they do go on the market, and that's a and that's an issue for me when um, it's often reported and publicised about um, our need for finance or our lack of finance in when manoeuvring in in the in the transfer market. Um, and again, like you know, Sean gave the example, but there are play. I, I look at relative deals from window to window, and I think if you're talking about um, players of less experience than than him, who are being quoted as being available for um, the same amount, if not more, I, I, I always that turns me towards the club and makes me think, why can't we draw um, more money for our player? Like we are a huge football club, you know, across Europe. In England, we're, we're a club with a big reputation. Our recent performances um, on the field haven't haven't um, don't kind of equate to that, or I think diminishes away from the idea. But the fact is, Arsenal Football Club is 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 huge, and we should have um, a stronger stance, I think, on 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 player deals and player sales. But um, yeah, also there are a number of players that I'd like to see go before he, him as well. Yeah. So, um, you but know, some not, of them um, weren't included yesterday as well, though. So um, yeah. uh, let, let me take this opportunity. Dan, thank you for joining us, Dan. German Dan, we've got German Dan. Uh, Andrew, welcome, German Dan. Uh, sorry for hey. all the late incomings and stuff like that. But um, yeah, we've, we've all got families to feed, isn't it, Dan? <laughs> yeah, just um, <laughs> in between meetings. I've been trying to get off this meeting for... The last half hour, but um, yeah, I'm here now. Good, good. Uh, Dan, we're just talking about the friendly um yesterday. So we were just talking about um Maitland Niles's um inclusion and whether there was anything to the fact that you know obviously he's um the recent transfer speculation with Wolves. Um, I'll just go to you then. So some of the exclusions yesterday, Martinez maybe a, a notable one who you know he's been talking a lot this summer. Uh, a, a lot for a guy who's only just played 10 senior games for us, essentially. Um, he's been talking quite a lot. Uh, so, Andrew, I'll start with you then with mm. the exclusions of Martinez, Laka, Collar and Bellerin. Um, any any thoughts around on, on those in particular? Um, I mean, I wouldn't read anything into it because the game seems to have been arranged fairly hastily. Uh I suspect given the way the, the season went, the end of the season went, there might have been players carrying little lakes and strains. So, you know, they might be coming back into training um, in stages, if you like. So I think it's too early to read anything into those absences. Um, whether they'll be involved in the Community Shield on Saturday will be another, uh, another thing. Of course, there's internationals the following week, so some of the players won't be around for that. So I wouldn't I wouldn't read too much into it just yet, um, but obviously there are players in the squad who have some uh, question marks over their futures, um, um, and we'll see what happens. But it's it's too difficult to to read much into a game against MK Dons on a a Tuesday night. True, very true. Um, any any thoughts from Sean and Shabs about those exclusions? No, I, I mean, I, I quite agree with Andrew. People come back at different times, so people might be on different sort of tailored fitness plans. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I think there's still another three weeks to the season starts, so people could be out for varying different reasons. Socrates recently, his wife recently gave birth. Obviously, we saw Kalasinach's wife has, has given birth as well. So, yeah, I, it's, a, a lot of it's up in the air at the moment, so I wouldn't read too much because people like Louise, William and Pepe, who will be here next season, they, they weren't involved. Um, so it, 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 could, it could be for for a variety of reasons. So, not I'm not reading too much into it at the moment. Mm. Coincidentally, Socrates and Kalasnach both having child children. Sorry, nine months after Emery's sacking. 
just in terms of uh the game itself it was an opportunity for us to see um one of our well it's not a new signing because we got him last year but essentially a new signing uh william saliba um there's been a lot of um a lot of excitement around this kid i mean I'm being one of them. I'm very excited about him. I have to admit, um, it's about time we had a, a centre-back who looks as dominating as he is, as, as f- a physical presence, you know, someone, you know, uh, who's got, like, a lot of um, a lot of time on his side as well to, you know, we're not getting him at the end of his career or anything like that. So I'm really excited to see him. And yesterday was quite an assured performance from him um wasn't really troubled much and i don't expect him to be troubled much against mk dons but um any thoughts on 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 his performance yesterday and any, anything that stood out to 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 you to you in particular um shabs so i didn't actually catch the um for match, I uh, saw some highlights, so um, limited. Well, so you weren't but... one of the you weren't one of the, the diehards who's on a six six o'clock on a on a Tuesday on evening a Tuesday watching MK Dons, no? At short notice, just had to cancel all my plans to to to, to stream it on uh, what was it YouTube, wasn't it? It was like on YouTube. Um, no, I couldn't. I, I I couldn't actually see the the game, but caught some bits and pieces later. I, I, I caught up in the conversation about um, Sally, but it looked. Quite simple. It was a convincing win for us all round. Um, I saw points about him and him looking comfortable on the ball or how, how comfortable, how good he thought he'd be on the ball. I don't think there's too much conclusion you can draw from that one game and that one performance, um, to be honest with you. I am very excited about him now in general. I'm very optimistic about him. I think he's come off the back of a strong season in in in, in France. Um, I... I, I I don't have very many doubts about players coming from the French league adapting to the physicality of the Premier League um, just generally because I think um, they compete out there in France. You know, they've got the types and the player profiles throughout that league who will really um, give you a tough time. They've got strong, pacey, quick um, players across the board. So I think he, he, he'll be all right there. Um, it's about the other aspects of, 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 of his game, his... Um, how quick and able he is to adapt and learn and how well Arteta and the coaching staff can work with him. But I'm I'm excited about him. And yesterday just looked like, from what I did see, little I did see, it looked like a doddle for him, to be fair. Mm. Andrew, what's your what's your thoughts on um, Saliba yesterday? Are you, are you as excited to see him as, as I am? Is he the Messiah? Yes, clearly. I, no, I, I mean... I completely agree. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, you know, we, we do have to be realistic about, you know... Uh, what a 19-year-old central defender can do in his first uh, first season in English football. I am excited. I'm really optimistic. Um, I hope that he can be everything that we want him to be, but but it's one of the positions on the pitch where there's a lot of learning to do. Um, He's clearly a massive talent with lots of potential, but central defenders, perhaps more than anywhere else, have got a lot to learn in their careers, and it takes a few years to... Uh, to get there. So I'm excited, but I also want to try and stay realistic and stay cautious about, you know, what we should expect from him and maybe just try and keep the expectation levels reasonable because sometimes, you know, a player comes in and everyone thinks he's going to be brilliant and then he's not brilliant straight away and then he's dismissed as not good enough. And I don't know that that's the right way of going about it. I think you do have to give young players time to to develop and to to learn their trade um so I, i'm going to keep everything crossed that he can be as good as we want him to be because the collection of central defenders we have is far from optimal but i, I i'm also just going nice to try and it? yeah yeah i'm just going to try <laughs> and stay um a little bit cautious about about some of the things which i'm sure will happen to him as happened to the greatest defenders that we have ever had at this football club have made mistakes, particularly when they were young players. Um, you know, Tony Adams, some of the stick that he got when he was a young player from opposition fans because he'd make the odd mistake here and there. 
and you know in time became one of one of the greatest defenders ever at this football club so i i, I think we need to just be reasonable about what he can produce i agree i, I think the opposition fans are are, are queuing up <clears throat> waiting for that mistake especially from uh gabriel as well especially the united fans uh they they mm. are they're queuing up to to, to <laughs> for them to to make a mistake but um they're not in a position to talk about defenders making mistakes yeah. by the way. <laughs> especially not right now i'll i'll, I'll, I'll leave it there yeah no. i don't think we need to say anything about that i mean we, we yeah we could be uh in a case of some some kind of libel if we if we do go on um Precisely. did uh for those of you who did watch the game, um, did any of the the youngsters Im- impress you? Because I felt like um, it was it's probably a, a bit of a difficult game to really stand out. It was it was it was a bit of a nothing game. There wasn't much flow to it. I don't remember us having too many ch- shots on goal, but we managed to score four goals. And um, you know, we saw uh kids like Miguel Aziz, who has got a lot of hype around him in in the academy. Um, he came on. Um. Tyrese John Jules came on. Um, I'm forgetting who else came on. Uh, ben Cottrell, I think his name is Ben Cottrell. I think he came on, and I was particularly impressed by him out of all the youngsters that did come on. Um, Sean, was there anyone that stood out for you in terms of uh, out of the youngsters? Yeah, it, it would probably be Ben Cottrell who um, played left wing back. From what I understand, he's not even a wing back, so he plays mostly in midfield most of the time. Oh, but, he can um, cover a centre back as well, yeah, but yeah, wing back surprising. But I, I, um, but I, I think generally speaking, to with Andrew's point, this this sort of game it, it's hard to draw conclusions. One because there's been so many changes, so there's really there's really going to be sort of a lack of flow or a lack of structure so it, it's um just getting him out there and to see, to see who can maybe just sort of make an impact in a, in a short amount of time I think he was what he looked busy um down the left hand side um but yeah I, I um it's, it's it's not one we can draw too too many conclusions for um and we have to be realistic obviously a lot of these players aren't gonna <laughs> aren't gonna be even part of the first team squad by the time the the, 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 the season kicks off so um, it's all about just getting minutes and minutes into their legs. Um, like I said, once um, a few more of the first team has come back, um, hopefully um, a few a few more arrivals. Um, so, so, so we'll see a lot of change. So probably not at the moment. Um, you might see one or two get a League Cup appearance, but after that, you're, you're, you're clutching at straws, to be honest. So, yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, we, we started off with... A, I think we played the 3-4-3 the whole game, didn't we? Yeah, so... Um, Dan, I hope you're, you you said you've 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 sorted your internet out now. You're not you're on that Labara internet anymore. You've you've switched to your Virgin internet, so it should be all right. Yeah, this is really annoying because I, I literally specifically pay for Virgin internet in my room. <laughs> <laughs> what, what you paid for a particular internet in your internet service in your room? Yeah. Wow. So, okay. It's my PlayStation, so uh, I don't I don't like key connection, so that particularly hurt me. But I think um my no my to joins. The, um, the house Wi-Fi. So yeah, I'm here. If you can hear me clearly, let me know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can hear you now. We can hear you now. Um, so um, just uh, in terms of us going with the three-four-three, um, any any particular thoughts on that? Because um, I think we've been kind of speculating as to what Arteta would do going into the into the future. You know, we, we, he started. He came in and started with the four-two-three-one, and then when that kind of wasn't working as well as he as he would have liked it to. He switched to this three-four-three to give us a bit more defensive sol- solidarity. So, did it surprise you yesterday that we actually started with the three-four-three? See, um, for me, I'm, I'm not really. For me, it's not really nailed on what Arteta's formation is going to be going into next season. Um, I'm not sure if we're going to go with a four-three-three, four-two-three-one. Um, I think, um, I think he's looking at um, a formation that suits all the players that we have at our disposal right now and players that he looks to work with next season again. And um, I really, I really kind of take inspiration from um. The way um, um, Atalanta have played the three-four-three this year, and also to some degree Leipzig have played the three-four-three this year, where they're solid and they're also very good in transition, but also um, dominate the ball very well. So I think those are all all footballing um, footballing criteria that Arteta, um, Arteta likes, and and they can be they can be implemented through this formation. So I think the formation might be a bit flexible, and depending on personnel and who we can get in, uh, and who will leave. So um, I think he, he he's trying to stay flexible here because it's not one hundred percent what the squad is going to be yet. So um, I think that that's my that's my thinking here. And obviously we've we've played with that formation for the last couple of months. Um, so it's good to get some continuity. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I thought I was a little bit surprised because I actually I had it in my brain that he's going to go this season four two three one. We've signed. Well, we're about to sign Gabriel. So, you know, that gives you a bit more defensive assurance and that, you know, the, 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 the main reason that's, that you go with the three four three is to protect some of the wallies that we have in defense in terms of, you know, I don't need to say who they are. But, you know, when you've got two then solid defenders, maybe you then go back to the the four two three one. So I was a little bit surprised to but see that we didn't. That the three four three would give an opportunity for Gabriel and Saliba both to play with Luis, who's then the experienced man in the back three. Um, so this is like maybe like an embedding period. So again, I think the formation could be quite flexible and depending on, on who we can, can get in. Um, and it would allow him to play all three of them together. Um, Saliba on the right, um, Gabriel on the left, and Luis in the middle. That's fair enough. I didn't actually think of that point, which kind of makes sense. Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Fair enough. Um, let's move away from the friendly then. Unless any, Does anyone want to chime in with the friendly? Any any other thoughts about it? Yeah, just 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 to add on to to sort of Dan's point um, when you, when you mentioned formation, I think at the moment um, we're all projecting that Arteta will copy Pep's or, or implement a sort of similar style to Pep once he gets the personnel he wants. But um, at the moment we can't play that sort of football because we've obviously spoken about we don't have those sort of technicians, those sort of creative players who can play in the half spaces. So it's all well and good saying play four three three, but but we don't really have the personnel to sort of play that, even um, Sabayos is, is not here at the moment as well. So, so yeah, I, I think, and obviously we talk about the players that we've been linked to. Um, I was say, Oneni's not, Oneni's not uh, that well, guy, no, I mean, no. it was a great goal yesterday, but, but I, think, <laughs> I don't think any of us are realistically expecting Oneni to be here at the start of the season. So, um, so yeah, I just think hopefully um, we can get more of the type of player Arteta wants in, and then we can sort of see that transition into the formation that we're hoping and, and that we want. But at the same time, I think Arteta's also spoken before about being flexible. So yeah, maybe switching between a back four and a back three. Um, and it's just about having those sort of flexible players to do to do that sort of thing. At the moment, I don't think we have that sort of flexibility for a back four um, full-time yet. So yeah, so he's probably continuing that for um, Just talking then about um, additions and, you know, trying to improve that spine of the midfield um andrew uh, on ask blog news um this week you you reported that um that the interest in party is is there but the wages are i, I think the word you used was prohibitive yeah i think they look at the the release clause and the personal terms as as a little bit prohibitive because it's atletico madrid 150 million euros they don't want a swap deal they want the money um and i think that's something arsenal are going to struggle with unless they get good money for a couple of the midfielders that we we perhaps might want to let go. So if you can sell Genduzi, if you can sell Lucas Torreira, and you can raise that money, then um, I think it's still possible. And obviously, that they're, they're very interested in Partey. He's a player that they like. But it just feels like the financial aspects of that deal to bring in a 27-year-old um, who may not you know, have any resale value, particularly in a summer where you've also brought in Willian on a three-year deal and he'll have very little resale value um, by the time he's leaving. Um, it just feels like it's it's sort of slipping away from us a little bit, that one. So clearly midfield is, a, is an area we've got to do something with, though, because um, the options that we have right now aren't quite there. Um, you know, the point about not being able to play a 4-3-3 because we don't have the technicians is is really quite right. You know, it's the technical uh, security that you need in midfield. We don't really have it. Um, the creativity is another area as well. So um, I, I'm really curious to see what they're going to do between now and the end of the window. I think the really interesting thing is that the window doesn't close until October the 6th. And the season starts on September the 12th. So there's going to be some overlap uh, in terms of how things go. So the first few weeks of the season might be a bit weird. Um, mm. Lots of rumours, lots of players perhaps with a foot in the departure lounge who all of a sudden find themselves back in because they're needed or we can't move them on. Uh, they've got so much to do and good luck to them. They're going to need it, I think. 
Yeah, they are. Um, Sh- Sean, you're, you're pretty adamant Partey is going to be joining because you've been following the, the, the AFC bell on, on Twitter and you, you're you taking everything that he says. As... I, I, I definitely did say I'm taking it from, from wherever no. he is tweeting from. Uh, I, and, and I've heard you've taken up Arabic Arabic classes as well to, to learn the, the language to, to translate as well for us. That, that has, that's definitely not true. I, I, I think we will get him. Um, the confidence might be misplaced, but I think that that's... Um, I mean, Ornstein's re- reported, he said we were very interested last summer. So this is obviously interest that dates back um, a long time. But obviously, I'll take Andrew's point into consideration at the same time. And in the essence that we need money, we don't have a lot of uh, liquid cash to hand that we can just spend straight away. And um, we have a very high wage bill. So we can't keep spending that sort of money when we're not sort of recouping anything. So um, and, and that that is probably a bigger worry for me more than anything, to be fair, um, because we're not bringing in any money. Um, Torreira, Guendouzi, I think they're both on the market but tentative interest I mean Guendouzi's been exiled from the team for how long but we're not really hearing sort of you know concrete links about interest from from sort of other teams in him as well so that would be sort of my worry because I, I, I was listening to Andrew you mentioned I think yesterday when you and Gunnerblog were talking about in terms of how much money you might think we mm. might raise from player sales so it, it would be interesting to see how much we, we, we do bring in because um We've spoken about Terrera maybe available, Guendouzi, Lacazette, possibly Bellerin. In an ideal world, if you were to to sort of sell those sort of guys, you would you could raise in excess of well over 100 mil for, um, which could obviously then go back on play and stuff. But it's whether we're able to do that and whether the interest is there or not. So yeah, it, it kind of remains to be seen. Yeah, and and like clubs know that we want to sell, which means that they probably push it towards the deadline as much as possible to see if they can drive the price down so that's another thing that that they have to deal with um with these particular deals you know yeah i think i think with the the ganduzi one doesn't worry me too much because i, I like you said i feel like it's something that is probably going to go down to to the wire with that if you if you if you know a player wants to leave and the club doesn't want the player then why would you be offering what the club wants that's just schoolboy really you would just you you would let it play out and then when the club is desperate, you go, look, here's what we're offering. Take it or leave it. And I'm sure in our position, we're probably going to take it <laughs> because we're not going to keep someone like Genduzi on the books. I know he's probably not on great wages, but then he's a maybe his value will depreciate over the course of the season if he doesn't if he doesn't play. If you could get 20, 22 million for him now, maybe next season you only get. 15 16 million for him and for a club like us that's probably value that we need to um that we need to get 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 extract the most out of i would say um uh, andrew just in terms of departures have you have you heard of anything other than ainsley maitland i was coming out of the club or is it or is it all particularly quiet on that end there's there's nothing really concrete is there there's talk about chambers and holding uh, being interested or Fulham and Leeds, I think are interested. I think Leeds were talking about Chambers today, uh, Kolasinac back to Schalke or Roma. I mean, there are players that Arsenal definitely want to move on. Um, um, you know, we've touched on some of those, Ganduzi, Torreira. You know, I think he's one of those that if they could move him on, they will. And if they don't, I don't know that they'd be like particularly unhappy. Um, because he's a, he is a, I think, a decent player. So he's somebody who could stay in the squad without it being a big issue. But some of the players, they they definitely want to move on. We've too many central defenders, as we know. Um, we've a, like a stockpile of them. So we've got to we've got to get rid of um, two or three of those. Socrates and Mustafi in the last years of their contracts. Uh, Genduzi. Um, you know, there are players who who the club want to move on, but. Um, I don't think there's been anything particularly concrete about where any of them might be going. So, um, like I said, I think this this is a transfer window where a lot of stuff will happen late because of the market and because of everything else that's going on with, with COVID and everything else. I feel like it's there's going to be a lot done in the last couple of weeks of this market. Sure, sure. Um, just in terms of... Um, I'm sorry, I was just looking at some listeners' questions because I'm quite aware of the time. Um just in terms of incomings, then um, we've been linked to um, other than Partey. We've been linked to Awa. I think that's his name. I got I got a telling off the other day because apparently I was saying his name wrong. So um, I believe it is Awa. 
Am I right? Is that right? That yeah. is right. Okay, cool. Um, has there any, has there been any other rumors that you guys have heard? Is there any anything else that's caught your caught your eye? I, I, I mean, I, I, sorry, sorry, go on. Tiago, yeah, yeah, Tiago. Um, I think, and the Tiago one is uh, interesting for me because Ornstein has reported this a few months back, and um, I said there's there's been a few clubs that have been interested in him for a while, have monitored him for a while. Chelsea and Arsenal are among those clubs. I was thinking, surely not. Thiago's just going to renew his contract and he's going to go whatever he does at Bayern Munich, um, win more titles. And then um, it, looks, it certainly looks like he's going to leave. Um, I still believe the most likely destination is probably Liverpool, but I believe we have an interest and it's been reported that we have some interest. I think, who's, I think did I see you tweet as well that Arteta rang him or something? Arteta Paul, you know, he's got everyone's phone number. He's calling everyone. He called Gabriel. <laughs> he's calling Thiago. I heard he's even been on the blower to Messi. So <laughs> that's Arteta like, that's not a credible Messi, source or anything, but it's, but I think it's more credible than Sean's uh, AFC Bell source, I might say. So yeah, he, he didn't tell me in the Arabic or anything like that. So um, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think we've also seen links again to Samare who that kind of went quiet. Um, I know there was like some talk about him going to Newcastle and then he got fr- he got frozen out of the side. Now, um, I can't remember who released a report on Samaro, but um, uh, I saw I saw links to Samaro, which would maybe say, would give credence to the, to the reports that, you know, Partey, the links are diminishing. What do you think, Sean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean realistically speaking, if you're, if the rumours that, Obviously, why well, it's not a rumor. Atletico obviously have the 50 million euro release clause, and then um, if we're talking 200k, if Arsenal do deem that too much, then um, Sumare is very much a viable alternative. Um, and also, also so I, I think I think that would be a decent option if we could get him in. Um, if we're looking at that sort of Dortmund model of young, a um, lot of room for development, good resale value, um, then he ticks a lot of boxes, and he also addresses a lot of problems in our midfield in terms of. He's um, athletic, but he's also a ball carrier. Um, so he sort of helps us speed up our play in midfield. And then when we talk about um, Thiago, I, w- I would be massively surprised because why would you leave the Champions League uh, winners to come and play in the Europa League? Uh, I, w- I would be really, really shocked with that. So I, th- I think what will end up happening is we'll probably agree later on in the window a deal just to bring Sabios back on loan again. Um, I mean, we all want Sabios back on loan anyway. So yeah, I think if we could get Sabios back on loan with an option to buy That'd be a decent option. Um, it's a shame because, like you said, we, we need so much work done, especially in midfield. Um, and yeah, it's, it just seems that what we want to do will just be influenced by how much money we can bring in. So it's, um, I, yeah. I think, as, as Andrew said, we're probably going to end up seeing a lot of action late on in the window. Um, so, so yeah, we'll, we'll just have, we'll just have to see see how it plays out. But yeah, we need creativity. Our we would all love. But we're talking 60 million. We're, I, don't, I don't know exactly where we're getting that from. And also, um, in terms of the interest from other teams, you, you've seen Man City, Juve. So whilst we're not at the front of the queue for that, so um, you'd well, have to Man do a lot. Well, if Man City's Messi, then all of a sudden, then, well, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have a lot more confidence confidence than me. So, um, but yeah, I mean, let's... Where let, you let's, that put 50 quid on him to join Arsenal? I, I did, I did. <laughs> so um, right, um, so where's I, the, where exactly <laughs> is this confidence? No, no, I mean... Uh, I, I'm, I, listen, I'm, I'm I'm just I'm just trying to bring in a bit of money, so I'm gambling a lot this summer. So yeah, so uh, um, so, so so obviously we'll, we'll see we'll see how that plays out. But yeah, I, I just like to see yeah, hopefully the the links get a move on and, and we see some more concrete stuff. Um, sure, we need it. We need it. Cool. Um, I'm just gonna ask some quick fire questions to everyone. Then um, I'm gonna go from the Patreon list because um, uh, we got quite a few from from our from our patrons. So big up all you lot. Um. So this is the question I was trying to ask you earlier, Andrew. This is the one from Shamark. He is a patron. Mm. So um, he, he's been, he says, uh, wow, I've been a regular reader of Askblog since 2006. Um, the question is, as someone who has been writing about the club for almost two decades now, what do you make of the toxic social media behaviour of Arsenal fans? Uh, what do I make of it? I don't know that, like we're any different from any other fans, are we? I think we're just more exposed to it. I think every fan base has got elements which are really great and every fan base has got elements which are which are not so great. So, you know, I think it's, um, you know, I don't want to like single out Arsenal fans and say that we're the most toxic. I mean, 
for quite funny, really, you know, for tracking planes and, and people <laughs> carriers and whatever it might be. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, I think that was... carrier one was hilarious. Well, I mean, I, I think that that had to be a joke, right? I mean, I think that that guy was just know. joking. I think he I was. I don't know. I think, I think he was. some people were being serious, Andrew. I really do think well, people were being serious. I think maybe some of them were. I just think that, you know, you've got an opportunity to make a really good joke when, when it's not quite clear if you're fully joking or not. Like, you know, take yeah, a picture yeah, of a guy. protection. Yeah, you know, so you could take a picture of a guy from behind and go, there he is walking down Holloway <laughs> Road there. You know, no one's going to know any different. And it's like, is he is he being real or not? So, yeah. look, I, I, I think, you know, every every fan base, every sort of collection of people on the internet, whether it's football or sport or politics or whatever it might be, you know, have got elements to their communities which are which are not great. Um, and that's just the fact of life. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to to sit here and criticize Arsenal fans for being any worse than, than anyone else because I don't think that's the case. And as I said to you earlier, you know, for the most part, my experience is is really positive um, uh, on social media, on the blog, podcasts, all of it. You know, uh, it's been a real positive in my life. So sometimes if things don't go quite the way you would expect or you're criticized for things, that's fine. You know, the, the, the good offsets the bad. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, <clears throat> AKNMC, I think he's actually playing for our Touchy Gunas Fives tonight. So he better he better be putting in a shift for, for me uh, reading out his listeners' questions. So um, he says, uh, what should Arsenal do to address the potential exits of uh, AM, AMN and Bellerin? Is Cedric going to be in the starting eleven next season? Uh, Shabs, I'll give that one to you. Um, for me, it's a worry if we let both of both of them go. I've, can you see I've, both of them going? I can't see both of them going. I think I it'll be one see, or the I, other. I, I can't see both of them going. Um, I, I think we'd have to at least keep. I mean, we have to keep hold of Bellerin. Um, if we plan to sell Bellerin, then we have to be prepared to um, sign a first team ready-made replacement for him. Um, I see it like that. Really, I think if we let both of them go, it's short-sighted. Um, I don't think we've got much backup even looking down the ranks I think we um, I mentioned Jordi um, Osei Tutu I think he's uh, due to go back out on loan if he hasn't yeah, he's going already on loan um, so yeah I think I think it's, I think it's short sighted as much as um, you know we could get a decent fee for the sale of a player like Bellerin especially to PSG um, I don't think we should do that business and let both go um, and you know, uh, if we're not prepared to go and get a ready-made replacement. Okay, cool. Um, Aaron Free K. He asks: uh, After Saka's breakout season, are there any other academy players who you think may break through this season? Uh, Dan, it's a difficult question because I think we have a lot of um, young talent in our team now, and um, I'm not quite sure if there's space for another breakthrough this year. So Saka is still there. Nelson will be there. ESR is actually back from loan. He will be there. Um, I hate to say it. Willock is going to be there. <laughs> um, I, mean, I don't understand you lot's issue with Willock. I'm telling you, I really don't understand it. Too many minutes, I think. I think he should go on loan this year. But to the question, I think we have a lot of young young talent from Hellwend already in the first team, really, and very close to the first team and get minutes that I think it'll be difficult to see someone else come through. Obviously, the, the the most obvious one that you could, or the most too obvious one you could think of are Tyrese John-Jules and um, Balogun, but Balogun has the contract issues. Um, Tyrese John-Jules, I think, um, also, um, he had an injury when he was out on loan, so I, I envision there'll probably be another loan to get him sustained amount of games in senior football. Um, I, I struggle to believe there'll be another breakthrough this year, and it'll be more about nurturing the talent that broke through last season, and then um, maybe the year after. We'll, we'll, we'll see some developments. Yeah, I think I think the fact that Balogun couldn't get in the squad yesterday, uh, the writing's on the wall with that one, right? He's he he has to be leaving surely. Like if he couldn't make the squad yesterday. Yeah, I do think the next one though will be probably that um, Migo Azez. I think um, I think he will be someone that they they look to bring close to the first team this season. Um, a breakthrough is obviously playing uh, or a sustained amount of period or games. I think he will have an appearance here and there. But I won't be a breakthrough per se, but I think he'll be close to the first team this year. I, I, I think so. 
Okay. Um, just a couple more here. Uh, so um, that guy, Daryl, asked if Lacazette is going, will we actually buy a replacement? Uh, Sean? You're, you're on mute. You're on mute. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I know we, we've spoken about um, the, the need to buy a replacement. I just, I don't know if, because a, a lot depends on how Arteta still sees Aubameyang. If um, Lacazette does go, does Aubameyang move into the middle? In an ideal world, I would preferably like that. I don't think a lot of us want to see a 31-year-old doing shuttle runs up and down the wing. So um, I think I would like to see that. And then there's obviously um, Eddie and Ketia. A lot of people are indifferent on him. Some are quite keen on him. Some are not so keen on him. Arteta seems to be very keen on him. Um, and then obviously after that, you've got Martinelli. But obviously Martinelli's out until the new year. So the question is then, do you invest in someone on a short-term basis or do you roll the dice and just say, do you know what, we'll just go go with what we have? Um, I think if Lacazette does leave, we will probably need to sign a forward of some kind, but it might not be a striker. It might be um, it might be another winger. It might be another wide forward. Ryan uh, Fraser. <laughs> hopefully not. But yeah, um, but I, I, I don't know. The, the, the question is basically, because some people think you don't need Aubameyang and Lacazette in the same side. Um, how, how many teams have two top like 50 million plus strikers in their squad? So, um, so some are just saying take the money for Lacazette and reinvest elsewhere, and and that's what I would personally be inclined to do. But it'd be interesting to hear what Andrew thinks on that as well. Uh, I think you're right about Aubameyang playing centrally. To be honest, um, you know he's got well, he's on the verge of signing a new deal. Keep him at the club for another three years. Protect what he's good at you know, which is um, goal scoring and don't wear him out. You know, he is 31. He's a really fit guy and we all have uh, a lot of faith in him, but time waits for no man, you know? So be sensible about how you use him. And I would be very much inclined to to play him as the, the central striker. Um, if Lacazette was to go, I think there's no other option than to play him as a central striker. Or they do, they do really think very highly of of Eddie and Kedia. Um, you know, if you're going to give a guy a big, big money contract at the age of 31, you have to make sure you get all the years out of him. And you know, as fit as he is, and as willing as he is, and as professional as he is, you would have to ask, you know, do you wear him out more quickly if you have him playing uh, on the left and you, you. I don't want to use the word burden because it's part of the job. But if you give him defensive duties, you know he's covering more yards. Maybe he doesn't last quite as long. So, um, I'd be very much inclined to see him uh, through the middle for us, if possible. Cool. Um, I've got a question here from Robin Stansford. Robin Stansford. He he asks. Uh, this is specifically to you. Andrew, he uh, he okay. he says, do you see Partey as a more important signing than a creative midfielder, example, a, a Coutinho? Um, I, I really like the idea of assigning somebody like Thiago or signing Oa because they have this technical level uh, that I feel like the team is missing in terms of their movement, their passing range, their creativity. I know that Thiago isn't, you know, quite the same player as Oa, but... Um, Look, a defensive midfielder is something we've all been hankering for for a long time. I just feel like we we need more from a creative standpoint. We need to address the 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 golfing creativity that exists between us and the other big clubs. Um, and part of being more defensively secure is being more uh, more effective from an attacking point of view. So you can sign all the defenders that you want, but if you're not creating chances and you're low down the list on shots and all those metrics that we've seen um, since the end of the season, you're still going to struggle. So I do think that from a personal point of view, I, I'd be more uh, excited by creative midfielders attacking midfielders technical midfielders than than someone like Partey but if you were to give me a choice I'd quite happily take both because uh, you know that <laughs> yeah. that would be that would be very nice but just on that's my personal view I know other people like uh, see things differently and what have you but but that to me is the big big issue of this summer is how Arsenal and how Mikel Arteta make this team more creative um and for all his qualities I'm not sure Partey does that 
that's fair enough that's fair enough um i think i think we'll leave it there then I've, we've got through quite a few of the uh the listeners questions from patrons so yeah i appreciate all of those guys um andrew i just want to say thanks again for coming on it's been it's been a huge pleasure uh, an honor i might say uh but yeah um i re- yeah we really appreciate you coming on i hope you had a, a great time as well well thank you very much for having me really enjoyed it and good to good to meet you guys and keep up the good work thank you very much Cheers, guys. We'll, we'll, we'll be back same time next week and we should have some kind of uh, Patreon content out this week as well. So, um, yeah, catch us next week, guys. Cheers. It's got to 2-2 two, two, and we've still got more than half an hour to go. And here's Ozil. Lacazette. Ozil! Yo! Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sports Social Podcast Network.